Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you want to know what it takes to make Newcastle United a successful side? Do you want to learn the secrets about what goes on in the boardroom? Do you want to know what it takes to turn Newcastle from a relegation threatened side into one that very nearly won the Premier League title? I think he just might. I'm talking about the entertainers era under Kevin Keegan. That fast-flowing, electric football. The one that lasts long in the memory. The side that may well be the reason you are a Newcastle United fan. Well, to look back on that time, I've gone and got the man who bankrolled Kevin Keegan, the man who signed the checks to allow Sir Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer and countless other superstars to arrive on Tyneside and get within touching distance of the Premier League title. Yes, Sir John Hall. He is a late but very special addition to the Everything is Black and White podcast live taking place on Wednesday, August 30th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Not long to go till the event and not many tickets remain on sale either, but there are a few that you can get your hands on. I'm going to pop the link into the description, click on that, go through to the website and secure your tickets now. It's going to be a great evening. We're going to talk about Newcastle United of the current day, the transfer market, the Champions League and Eddie Howe. We've got the times of Henry Winter. We've got BBC Newcastle's Matthew Wiesbeck and, of course, our great panel here from the Chronicle. But Sir John Hall, what a magical name to add to the bill. We cannot wait. We hope to see you there. So click that link, secure your tickets to the Everything is Black and White podcast live. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview with me, Andrew Musgrove, and as usual, joined by John Gibson. Newcastle travel to the Etihad to face Manchester City on Saturday night in 8pm kickoff. I'd be keen to meet the genius who thought that was a good idea. Goodness me, good luck to the travelling fans, but nonetheless, they will travel in their thousands for what will be a huge test, John, for Eddie's house side, but a test will relish a test that he will want to take on and I'm looking forward to it it's going to be an excellent game John before we get into it how are you doing you keeping well I'm good I'm all the better for the opening day of the season uh, it is a fabulous day television rules are roost by the way what you were saying about eight o'clock kickoff isn't it awful for traveling fans but the fans matter anymore if television said we've got to kick off at midnight on the moon, we would kick off at midnight on the moon. Um, <clears throat> it's part of life's sad pattern now, but uh, under much better things, Manchester City, fabulous game on Saturday. Um, and yes, it's an awesome task for us. Um, Eddie Howe said before the season started, the, the most difficult fixture 
Premier League fixture of the season's Manchester City away, and of course it is. But having said that, when they look at it, our result against Aston Villa, and they've got to play in Greece in a cup final tonight, travel back and then straight into us who have been rested up, it's going to be difficult for them as well as for us. It certainly is. And yes, as John mentions there, Manchester City uh, face, uh, who is it? Seville, isn't it? In the Super Cup on Wednesday evening. We're putting this podcast out out on Thursday morning. So by that time, they may have picked up some injuries. They may have just had a really bad game. We, We wait and see. But yes, the Aston Villa game, John, a tremendous way to start the season, kind of sets the tone as well for what's to come. It and does. if you look at the way Man City played against Burnley, they beat them 3 0 at Turf Moor. I kind of feel Saturday is a game against uh, it's two sides who never really got out of first gear over the opening weekend. So, well, certainly from City's point of view, um, I think we were truly magnificent. And I think for an hour, we had to be in every gear possible because they challenged us. And then, uh, but we were relentless. And, of course, the turning point was when Isaac took it from 2-1 to 3-1. That was game over. And what a way to do it. What a goal that was. The definition of quality, uh, Isaac, and the way he robbed the guy and then looked up and tripped the World Cup winning keeper the way he did. Superb. I mean, this guy really is a different class. And from then on, Newcastle just steamrolled them. And it was in a different sort of way, Andrew. For me, it was as convincing as the performance against Spurs at home last season when we won six. Different because we blitzed them with five in the opening 20 minutes then. This, we come on even stronger in the second half. But it was a wonderful result. I mean, some of us, I stress, suspected that Newcastle would win. Some of us thought it would be a draw, but some of us suspected Newcastle would win. But I will admit at the same breath, nobody, me or any jury on the terraces, or I'm convinced Eddie Howe, thought we'd win 5-1. And certainly Unai Emery didn't. But the performance was quite startling. It has set a benchmark. It's also told us that any worries we had that Newcastle couldn't go again after last season, um, you know, is going to be laid to rest. Yes, it's still going to be. It's one game. It's still going to be a phenomenal uh, achievement to finish in the top four again this season because you've got to look for improvements out of Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs possibly, uh, and then new challenges from other clubs. It's going to be tough, but what a fabulous start. Absolutely wonderful. I was completely buoyed by the whole performance and really looking forward to City, while not sort of being stupid and walking on water on that result. City is still a phenomenal test at City, as opposed to at St James's Park. Certainly is. And I didn't have three minutes, 50 seconds down on my sweepstake for when you would mention my score prediction from uh, the last episode, well, but thanks for that. I thought I would not do it too early. I thought I would let you get into it gently. No, the whole point I was trying to make, Andrew, was was a, I took it by a goal, 2-1. It was yeah. a surprise to us all in the end because it, it was quite phenomenal. And the biggest surprise was 2-1 Emery. 
Yeah, and I, I mean the other surprise on 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 Saturday against Villa was the fact that Sandro Tonali started. A lot of people, ourselves <laughs> included, said he wouldn't. Eddie Howe dropped enough hints to, to suggest he wouldn't. He did, and his debut debuts go. Mick Quinn, your best mate, Supermac aside, you couldn't really get a much better debut at no. home in the top flight than you did. Uh, than Sandro Tonali did on, on Saturday against Villa. I mean, he was phenomenal. Uh, yes, we all suspected <coughs> that he probably wouldn't play. And maybe he wouldn't have started, you know, if Sean Longstaff had been more match fit. And he wasn't quite match fit. <coughs> and so he went with Tonali. And he, was that a right decision or a right decision? He was, uh, if we worried about him being able to handle the pace and power of the Premier League from day one, as opposed to go into it, then we must apologise to him because he not only handled it, he dictated it. He was the orchestra leader. Um, he dis- he, he's got this... When you watch a player like him, you realise you're in the company and you're viewing class when he appears to have so much time on the ball. It doesn't matter where he receives it, who's around him, he seems to have time on the ball. Uh, he could quicken the game up when that w- was needed. He could slow it down when that was needed. That is a definition of class. And he showed it for 90 minutes. And his finish on the opening goal, which set us up, and he almost got another one straight away. And he, he really got the assist. I know Botman squared it, which was lovely, but the ball in for Botman. Um, if there's an assist, assist. That, w- that was one of them, and he was absolutely terrific throughout. And what is exciting is the thought of a midfield which worried us at the end of last season when Longstaff was injured. A midfield three of Tonali, uh, Bruno and Joe Linton, on paper, is phenomenal. Yeah, and then you've got the players behind them who could also do a job. You mentioned Sean Longstaff, Elliot Anderson, unlucky not to get the nod. Joe Willick will at some point come back from injury. So anyhow, has plenty of options. I'm really intrigued to see Tenali go up against the likes of Rodri and Co. It would have been Kevin De Bruyne, but Kevin De Bruyne is out injured. And I'll get your thoughts on De Bruyne not being in the city side. I mean, he's going to be out for four months, it's, it's understood, which is a massive blow. And just as a neutral, that's devastating to see. I mean, he was my captain in my fantasy team. He's a brilliant player, but from Newcastle point of view on Saturday, as horrible as it sounds, you will take the fact that he's injured and not playing. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a moment. How do you think Tenali will handle it against you know the likes of Rodri and uh, those that play in, in the middle for City? It's a real test, of course it is, because you're going in with the best. And uh, you know, you've got to do it a second time, um, having done it the first time. And the second time, it's not going to be a surprise. People are going to be alerted to the fact that you were such quality on your debut. But let's be truthful. Before the game kicked off against Aston Villa, we, um, by that I mean the press, the pundits, the fans, everybody, was bulling up the, the Aston Villa midfield and saying how colossal it had been in the 3-0 down at Villa Park and how colossal it had been the States in the 3-3. <coughs> this McGinn and co., couldn't compete with the Newcastle three, not just Tenali, but the three, and Tenali in particular. So the, 
Tenali and the, our two Brazilian boys have faced a tough class midfield and blew them out the water. They've got to face an even better one and on their own patch this time. But um, we're capable of putting up a show and, you know, you cling to little bits of flotsam that are floating past in the sea. And if Manchester City, who are, I mean, five out of six uh, Premier League titles, we know what they are. But if they're at all vulnerable, it's often at the start of a season before they get into their stride and they come very strong, <coughs> excuse me, second half of the season. So we've got to hope that's the case now and that um, Newcastle catch them at a good time. But everybody at Newcastle will have to be on blob, not just the 11, but the 11 plus the subs. And they'll have to have a couple of players not quite up to scratch and then a shock comes into play. Mm. <coughs> Kevin De Bruyne is a, is a huge miss. He's the creative element of that side, and you say that knowing just how much squad depth Man City have got, how many talented players they've got. Um, but I mean, you saw uh, his his replacement on on Saturday was um, the former Chelsea midfielder whose name's totally escaped my my, my mind. Um, oh yes, the, the signing in the summer. The, the, yeah. The... But he's much more of a defensive kind of player. He's not that creative element. And you do, you know, it's going to be interesting how City handle losing such a talented player, the, the one who supplies. In the, in the words of Joe Harvey, uh, when he was talking to Martin McDonald about Terry Hibbert, the one that supplies the bullets, you know, for, for, yeah. for, 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 for Haaland. How big of a blow is De Bruyne uh, out it's, for Man City? Well, massive, terrific player. We've also got to remember, Andrew, that uh, Dundogan, the captain last season, the midfield captain last season, had scored a pile of terrific goals and then took himself off to Barca, was it? And so two of their key treble-winning midfielders aren't available. Um, and that is a huge blow. Then you have a little smile to yourself and realise Foden's still there, Rodri's still there, and Jack Grealish is still there. So that is the sort of depth in uh, the depth in their squad that Newcastle United are aiming for. Um, and uh, we'll get there, but they're early days and the bench is looking terrific. You've just mentioned, you know, the fact that we have... Willick and we've got Anderson and Longstaff to come into midfield at some stage. We've also got people of the quality of Wilson and Barnes coming off the bench against Villa and both scoring. I mean, that is how better our bench is to what it was. And, um, you know, so there's fear for them. We've got power to bring off the bench and so have they. Um, but yes, uh, those hopefully... Those two out of midfield have lost Mares up top as well. Um, so, you know, they're not quite the team that the treble team was. Um, but let's not disillusion. You know, let's be truthful. They are the benchmark for every side in the Premier League. Do you want to know what it takes to make Newcastle United a successful side? Do you want to learn the secrets about what goes on in the boardroom? Do you want to know what it takes to turn Newcastle from a relegation threatened side into one that very nearly won the Premier League title? I think you just might. 
I'm talking about the entertainers era under Kevin Keegan, that fast-flowing electric football, the one that lasts long in the memory, the side that may well be the reason you are a Newcastle United fan. Well, to look back on that time, I've gone and got the man who bankrolled Kevin Keegan, the man who signed the checks to allow Sir Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer and countless other superstars to arrive on Tyneside and get within touching distance of the Premier League title. Yes, Sir John Hall. He is a late but very special addition to the Everything is Black and White podcast live taking place on Wednesday, August 30th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Not long to go till the event and not many tickets remain on sale either, but there are a few that you can get your hands on. I'm going to pop the link into the description, click on that, go through to the website and secure your tickets now. It's going to be a great evening. We're going to talk about the Newcastle United of the current day, the transfer market, the Champions League and Eddie Howe. We've got the times of Henry Winter. We've got BBC Newcastle's Matthew Weisbeck and, of course, our great panel here from the Chronicle. But Sir John Hall, what a magical name to add to the bill. We cannot wait. We hope to see you there. So click that link, secure your tickets to the Everything is Black and White podcast live. Yeah, still a force to be reckoned with. And it is Matteo uh, Kovacic. Uh, I can't say it. Kovacic from Chelsea was the match. Yeah, so I would say a huge blow, but uh, Newcastle will certainly take that one. And we mentioned Newcastle's midfield. And you, John, in the last episode, spoke about Bruno Gamoresh and how you want to see the old Bruno. That shone through on, on Saturday against Villa. He was, in my view, very careless in possession. His passes weren't coming off. He has to raise his game. Um, and yeah, hope he's with against City. I think the man to watch out for though will be Joe Linton. I think he he didn't didn't grab the headlines against Villa. I said on Monday's show that he just went under the radar, but that allowed him to do the things he does really well. And you know, if there was a camera focused on Joe Linton, it would have been going left, right, up and down and everywhere because he was absolutely everywhere. And I think his attributes against City will be absolutely key on Saturday night, you know, to break up the play, that bit of force, that bit of strength that he's got, and now the ability to carry the ball forward as well. I think he's going to play a really crucial role in what will be, I think, a close game. Yeah, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, Joe Linton, I mean, I said on the podcast with the first name, when Villa are so strong in midfield, the first name you're going to put on the team sheet's Joe Linton, because he's big, he's physical, he puts himself about, and when he wins it, he can attack <laughs> and attack well. So he provides the platform for Tenali to go out and do what Tenali does well, because he knows Joe's there to to step in, break up play, and be a physical support. What the Bruno thing still applies. He is not quite the man that we knew. And we talked last week about whether it was his injury towards the end of last season, etc. He's getting there. I'm not over-dramatising him because he's not well off uh, the pace. He's just He set the bar so, so high when he first came that it's very, very difficult to, to keep it that high. But that's why it's nice that we've got Longstaff and Anderson right now. I mean, Willick is a bit like... Um, De Bruyne, when's he going to come back? Not quickly. Um, but we've got those other two guys to either 
use or bring on a sub if it's not quite working. It'll be nice to watch our midfield three go in against City and see how well uh, they do collectively and individually. But also, it's going to be nice to see what happens up top because our three players that played up there, Anthony Gordon was absolutely superb uh, for the hour that he was on. Isaac is just a different class for his full point. And when Gordon did go off, Barnes come on and produced an assist and a goal. So that tells you his quality. And I've never mentioned your fan club man yet, but uh, he did his job on the other wing. And he he is perhaps going to get, like you said, Joe Linton is a bit under the, ra the radar. Perhaps that's going to happen to Miggy when you think of what's going to be happening on the left wing. And he's at going through the middle. He might get slightly overlooked. But that doesn't say he can't contribute and doesn't contribute. Yeah, plenty of great performances against Villa and hopefully they can carry that into the game against Manchester City. And, you know, you wouldn't be surprised though, John, even though they won so convincingly on the opening day of the season, if Eddie Howe made a few changes because he's done that before. We saw, I think when Wilson maybe scored two against West Ham, I want to say off the top of my head last season, he didn't start the next game. Eddie Howe is not afraid to make these changes. He, he builds a team or he sets out a team, sets up a team based around who he's playing and not necessarily what his strongest team is. I, I, I would I would disagree with that, actually. For this, yes, for this. Not that he doesn't do that, but that, that he, I don't think he'll do that for this particular game. If you're going to Manchester City and he's already gone on record saying this is the toughest match of any Premier League season for any club, then you go with your best team. You don't. And if he looks at that 5 1 performance, is he going to go and say to Isaac, I'm going to play Wilson? Is he going to go and say to Gordon, I'm going to start with Barnes? Is he, is he going to say to Tenali, Well, you've done well, but you might need a little bit of a rest. I'll put Sean Longstaff in there. I don't think for this game he will. I would not be surprised if he plays the same team. For this game, this is a different game. When you get on other games and you're going to play Brighton and Brentford back to back, you might mix and match. But I, I don't think you're going to go to Manchester City for the hardest game of the season, having won 5 1 and blew the side away and changed your starting 11 outside of any niggly little injury we know absolutely nothing about because Eddie doesn't tell us, etc., uh, etc. Et if there's a little one of them where somebody's slightly off the pace a little bit, he might hold them back and bring them off the bench. But if everybody's fit and ready to go, I'd be surprised if he makes one change, you know, for this particular game. There we go. Um, I, I, you know, I did say on my Monday show that I wouldn't be surprised if Callum Wilson got the nod. Uh, I'd be, be absolutely staggered. He is a wonderful player. Can't hold a candle to Isaac. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, so why that. would you move Isaac on the left wing or drop him? I just think it's because of the, the power City have. I just wonder whether he, he just changes a little bit of personnel. But you are, but on on the flip side, it is winning. You know, you've won. You've got that momentum. So you, why why would you change it? But we have seen him. We have seen Isaac, him change it. Isaac can have a go at being runner-up in the golden boot behind Haaland this season 
if he keeps getting starts as a number. He's gone in as a number nine. He scores two goals. And we're talking about leaving him out of the next game. I mean, goodness gracious me, let's let's play our best. If that happens to Isaac, it'll be an absolute huge disgrace. And I don't think for one second it will happen to Isaac. But if it does, and we all adore Eddie and we all have faith in Eddie, but Eddie, don't do that to me. Don't do that to 50,000 Jordies. You've got one of the best centre-forwards in the Premier League, if not European football. You know what you do with that? You play him centre-forward from the start of a game. And I I have been a great disciple of Callum Wilson. I think I once did a, a, a podcast with you last season, Andrew, and surprised you a little bit by saying if he'd only been able to stay fit, he could get in the top 10 legendary Newcastle centre-forwards. And so that's how much I believe in, in Wilson. A totally different sort of player to, to Isaac, but I believe in him. But by Jove, if I'm the manager and I can only pick one bloke centre forward, you know what? I would have Isaac in cotton wool all week and I would play him every every game that really mattered. By that, I'm saying if we draw the FA Cup away to Shrewsbury in the third round, you perhaps wouldn't. Same with the League Cup. Europe, you might look at his situation. But dear, oh dear, oh dear. Go to Manchester City without Isaac. Why don't we run the flag up the pole? I know Sean Longstaff in the starting eleven to offer that bit more of a defensive element. You're just saying it. The beat Villa so convincingly. Why would you change your winning side? Yes, I am. I mean, I can understand why you would bring in Longstaff to a certain. But I could understand why you would bring in Longstaff against Aston Villa True. at the start. I mean, because they physically outpowered us and outmuscled us in the last two games. The reason why they didn't bring in Longstaff, I think part of it is because he wasn't match sharp having missed the games that he missed. But also Tenali went in there and surprised everybody. I would it would be hard to justify um changing a side that's just one five one, in my opinion. Manchester's and by the way, this side, the one five ones rested all week. Man City's gone out to Greece and played again. They might need to keep shuffling the pack, but we don't. I tell you what, we'll need to shuffle a pack later in the season when we're playing three games a week, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. But at the moment, we've played Saturday. We've got a full week off when the opposition don't and play Saturday again. So how on earth do you get a hold of somebody that started against Aston Villa and say, I'm not going to start you this weekend, but I'm fit, Gaffer. Yes, but I'm not going to start you this weekend because I'm shuffling the side. Why do you think I'm tired after one game, Gaffer? Um, I, I would be staggered if he did it, and it would take some justifying. There we have it. Well, I do think if Isaac starts, which pretty much you and I imagine everybody listening to this will, will say he, he will do, Poor uh, Akaji at the back is going to have an absolute time of it because I look, I, I look, Pep Guardiola is the best manager in world football at the moment. He's earned his stripes clearly. You know, he's won everything under the sun. So he's a much better judge of character and a much better judge of ability and talent than I am when it comes to professional footballers. But that poor kid at the back, I say a kid, I'm not even sure how old he is, but that, that guy at the back, Akaji. How is he in a Manchester City backline? Because every time I watch him, I think I could give him a run around. So let alone Alexander Isaac. Yes, it, it, it will 
pray God, be a heck of a problem for me. Um, if we can't second-guess the Newcastle team, and I'm suspecting from my point of view we can, we've got no chance of second-guessing the City team, considering they've got a game to play tonight. We're recording this Wednesday before, before they play in Greece. We don't know if they're going to win comfortably and have another trophy in the cabinet, or they're going to get beat, which means they've lost two trophies in three games, the Community Shield at Wembley and the Super Cup, and we don't know what injuries they're going to pick up. Second guessing, we don't know if Stones will be back. Stones may be back against us, not in Greece, but he may be back against us. Yeah, he's tipped to be back for Saturday. And and then then where do you play him? You play him centre-half and coming out in the midfield. There's all sorts of possibilities. I mean, the only thing that's certain is that Kyle Walker will be absolutely thrilled if Maxi's gone after the game at St James's Park last season. But if he thinks that means an easy ride on Saturday, should he start, then I su- suggest he's got another thing coming because he's got uh, he's got Anthony Gordon running at him for maybe an hour with all the trickery Anthony Gordon's got. And then if he sees him off, who's going to come on? Harvey Barnes with his hour, his... Robin Hood hours and he's back ready to uh, his shots at goal. So it's going to be a tough, tough run um, for them. Please. It certainly is. And just on the on the Super Cup, John, now obviously it's a, it's a, it's a cup Pep Guardiola will want to win. He's won it four times before. Rodri's also come out and said they want to win every single title. They were disappointed not to win the Charity Shield. But given... This game comes just a matter of days after the opening day of the Premier League and then obviously just a matter of days before Newcastle or the visitors to the Etihad. Is this the game you want if you're Manchester City? Is it a case that you, know, you win and it breeds confidence, it, it builds yeah. that momentum or do, you just, or do you just not want this game right yeah. now? When you reach Manchester City's standards, uh, and that is that they've won the treble, and that uh, in the way that Manchester United, I always remember when when they beat us in the cup final at the end of the 90s, Manchester United, they won the treble. I mean, big sides win trebles and therefore they want the games and they've got the squads that's capable of handling it. I mean, it, it, would we want the game um, before we play Man City with the possibility of Shaw getting injured? Or, I mean, a European cup final which is essentially is and um, no we wouldn't because we're not at that situation yet but yes Guardiola wants it because it's proven how successful he's been and it's it's just another day at the office isn't it that they've had it for seasons and they're going to have it all this season where they're going to play in the champions league all the time and in the in the cups so yes those mortals mightn't want the game but um I think, let's put it another way, they're delighted to have the game because it means they completed the treble by winning the Champions League. If they hadn't won the Champions League, they wouldn't have had this game. So they're thrilled a bit to have the game. We've talked about Alexander Izak. Let's talk about Erlen Haaland, the best yes. striker on the face of the planet. Now, our colleague Aaron Stokes put to our listeners and to our viewers and to our visitors to our website that... Isaac is second only to Haaland in the Premier League, and I think I would would agree with that. The big question is, John, how do you stop Erling Haaland? 
other than locking them in a cupboard for 90 minutes and throwing away the key, how would you stop them? Yeah, that is absolutely correct. And the funny thing is, on this debate, and it is a debate, um, Harland, you said, best striker on the planet is the best goal scorer on the planet, not necessarily the best centre forward on the planet, because it's like comparing Alan Shearer with Thierry Henry. They both play through the middle, centre, but they're so different type of players. The goal machine Shearer and the <clears throat> elegant all-rounder is Thierry Henry. The goal machine is Haaland. Nobody better, as you rightly say, than Haaland. I mean, for years, Harry Kane was the best goal scorer in the Premier League. Forget the figures, how many he'd seen. If one person, one season, just knows in front of him. He played in the side that won out, the same as Shearer did at Newcastle, and he still scored a pile of goals. Harlem blew Kane out the water last season, 52. Started with two here. If you if you take my old mate, Supermax idea of a centre-forward, the centre-forward is there to score goals. Full point. If it is full point at the end of that sentence, then Haaland is better than Isaac and everyone else. If you're talking about the all-round game, may I suggest that Isaac has more strings to his bow, dropping deep, dribbling up the byline in tight situations, beating people with clever feet, reading, peeling off the last defender, etc., etc. His elegance, you would never call Haaland elegant. You would call him powerful. Uh, you would give him all the accolades it's possible. But elegance is taking the foot off power and doing clever things. Isaac is better at that. But Isaac will be amongst our top goal scorers unless Eddie listens to you and drops him at the next match after he scored two. If he doesn't, Isaac will be up. He will not get near Haaland if Haaland stays fit because Haaland scores goals for fun. But if you look at Haaland, if you look at the game at Burnley, he scores two. Isaac scored two first. <clears throat> he scores two. He gets a wallocking as he's coming off at half-time from the manager because he was demanding that Silva played that ball into him for his hat-trick and he didn't do it. I happen to think that Holland has got every right as a goal-scoring centre-forward to demand that. I'm telling you now that Shearer and Supermac would have demanded that. And, and, and that's the way strikers should do. He's one-eyed. He's got blistering acceleration. Not just pace, acceleration from a standing start is mind-boggling. He is so quick, it's untrue. Um, and uh, he's therefore the best. But Isaac's all-round game is absolutely superb. Um, how do you stop Holland? With difficulty. Because uh, I think when we went down there last season, Lascelles played against him and, and played him very well for most of the game. Haaland scores. We we played City off the park for an hour up here. 3-1 lead, 3-3. Haaland scores. So he, he just scores and scores and scores and scores. It's almost <clears throat> impossible to keep him quiet. And bear in mind, <clears throat> excuse me, bear in mind the Newcastle defence doesn't keep clean sheets in 2023. Uh, we always let in a goal and we did that even against Aston Villa. Will that goal be scored by Holland? Good chance. But well, we've got to try to score more.
Yeah, you can bet your bottom dollar that he probably will get on the score sheet. And you mentioned, John, last season and how Newcastle were beaten down at the Etihad. They were beaten 2-0, weren't they? Um, 4th of March. So it came just after the, the Carabao Cup final defeat to Manchester United. And things felt a little bit deflating because they'd only won uh, once since uh, Boxing Day. Uh, if you remember, this is the beat Leicester City on Boxing Day 3 0. The next win didn't come till the 15th of January against Fulham. And then the next win after that didn't come till the 12th of March against Wolves at home. So Newcastle were, were in a rut. And of course, amongst that was the defeat to Manchester United in the Cup final. But this Newcastle United go down to that, he had in, in much better spirit, in a much better confidence, in a much better place. And if anyone thinks that City are going to have it easy, they're, they're wrong. Newcastle United will push Manchester City every inch of the way. What we need from Newcastle, and they were guilty of it in the game last season, and they were guilty toward, towards the end of last season, actually, in many of the games of being their own worst enemy. They've got to make sure they're tight. They've got to make sure they're switched on. They've got to make sure that when it comes down to it, if they need to whack the ball into touch, get the ball out into the stands. Let's not mess around with it because Man City will punish you. They've got to be switched on. And if they do that, then when they do get their chances going forward, which will come against City, I think they'll take them. It's just about being secure at the back. And it's easy for us to say that, but to do it for an hour and a half without making one mistake, which means you can lose 1-0, is enormously difficult. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And that's what it is. If you switch off once, you can lose. I mean, you look at the other night. I'm not trying to compare Man United with Man City because they're oceans apart. But if you watch Man United against Wolves, Wolves were magnificent against them. But yeah. two things happened, and this is what Newcastle's got to be careful of. Two things happened that game. Wolves didn't take their chances. Newcastle have to, it, it's City. And they switched off once on that cross, leaving the guy unmarked, and he headed the goal and lost 1-0. That could easily happen to Newcastle as well. Wolves defended magnificently, switched off once and lost 1-0. Because they switched off once for five seconds in 90 minutes. And that's what Newcastle faced. Switch off five seconds in 90 minutes and Haaland scores. And when your chances come, you have to take them. Wolves were very guilty at finishing slipshod. Manchester United kept the clean sheet. By the way, did they keep false clean sheets? The gear got the, got the goalkeeper, the, the gloves, of the year last year for clean sheets and he was getting beat six and seven and thrown out at the end of the season and there was a clean sheet that they, they didn't earn against Wolves <clears throat> so you know lessons to be learned it is going to be difficult because you can put on in a terrific performance and lose one nil at City yeah well hopefully if VAR is called upon against Manchester City, it'll do its job. Unlike in that game against Wolves and Manchester United, and you can head over to our YouTube channel to see me rant angrily about VAR because I'm I'm, I've, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. Scrap the whole thing. But that's a conversation for another podcast. John, I would usually ask you to give us your team, but you've made it quite clear it's going to be unchanged. So 
Well, it would be for me, yes. It would yes. be for me. Yeah. We'll head straight into then the prediction. How will Saturday go for Newcastle United? Well, 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 well. That's so, so difficult because your heart and your head tells you two very, very different things, or at least my heart and my head does. Um, my heart says we've got our record down at City in City up here, as it happens, is absolutely horrendous. We, we just don't produce results. Uh, if you look at the record, I mean, what? It, well, I've got it here. Um, Manchester City have scored in the last 29 games home and away against Newcastle. And we're talking about being tight at the back and we've conceded goals this this uh, this year, 2023. Steve Arbel, last one to keep a clean sheet in 2006. So that's what Pope, that's what Pope faces. Um, my heart tells me that this is Newcastle's best chance of beating. The only time we've beaten City at City was in the League Cup <coughs> of recent years. Um, my heart tells me that we've got a real chance and I'm so uplifted by what happened um, against Villa. My head tells me that Eddie Howe was right when he said this is the hardest game out of 38 and that includes City coming to us of course. This is the hardest. And Newcastle have got to lose somewhere in 38 games. However good they are, they lose a game in 38 games. Is this the game that they lose? Well, it would be more acceptable than losing at home to uh, Luton Town. But um, at the same time, you pray that it won't be. Cutting all that, I can see us getting a draw. But I will forecast and give you a chance to take and make out of me next week a very close defeat with a very honourable performance. Are you sitting down, John? Are you sitting down? Yeah, because you're going to take us to win, the same as you took us to draw last week. You're going to take us to win and give me I a am. chance to have a go at you next week, which I adore. That's why I love you, because you, you, with a draw against Villa, you give me a chance. With a win at City, you give me a chance. With Almiron scoring 20 goals this season, you give me a chance. You're, you're lovely. That's why I do all the podcasts with you. 2-1 to Newcastle United. And you heard it here first. They're going to get all three points that they had and Newcastle will remain top of the Premier League. It's going to happen, John. Is it? Yeah. Right. And presumably, Mirren, who's getting 20 goals this season, is going to score one of them, if not two. Nah, I think he'll get his first against against Brentford. That's, 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 that's my long-term prediction. I've, right, I've gone for right. it. Fascinating. Love it. There we have it. Well, guys, this has been Everything is Black and White Podcast, the match preview. You can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning and live coverage of this game through our live blog on Saturday evening. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. And for myself and John Gibson, we'll catch you next week. Mm -hmm.